God, thank you for this morning, and as we remember who you are, God, our holy and awesome God, Lord, we know that you can heal. We know that you are the great physician, and we pray and call out to you, Jesus, in your name, that you would heal Kathy, God, that as she progresses through this recovery time and then goes into rehab, Lord, that it, it would, it would, um, you would heal her quicker than expected, God, that there will be more great news of her, Lord. And I just continue to pray for her touch and healing, strength and lance, and, and the boys there, God, and just continue to keep them in your faith, Lord, that they would keep looking to you, their eyes locked on you, believing in who you are, God, and what you can do. And, and be with Kathy, too. Lord, may she sense your presence. May she know that you're there and that you would encourage her also, Lord. So we thank you, God. We look forward to, to just a great testimony of your power and your healing, God. And, Lord, as we move on here to our Bible study, God, we ask you, bless your word today, that your spirit would continue to speak to us through this book, God, and that you would help us to learn, to grow, and become the men and women of God you want us to be, Lord. Help us to stop running, but to start living for you. Anoint this time with your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1 here. Uh, last time, or sorry, Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2 this morning. Last night, last time we were in Jonah chapter 1. And if you remember, we saw that how God the Lord had asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. To warn the Assyrians there of the judgment to come because of their sins. But you remember what Jonah told the Lord? No, Lord, that oxymoron we should never say. He got into this boat, this ship in Joppa to travel the opposite way, heading toward Tarshish, 2,500 miles away, whereas Nineveh was 550 miles to the east. He went west and chartered a boat as far as he can get away from the Lord. But while on the boat, not too long afterwards, the Lord sent a great storm that threatened to sink the ship. And when God revealed that it was because of Jonah, because of his sin, because of him running away from God, not fulfilling the mission God had given him, well, the sailors ended up throwing Jonah overboard. And immediately when he hit the water, if you remember, the water went still. And so the sailors there, the mariners were in awe. And then we know what happened, right? In verse 17 of chapter 1, if you look right above there, right? This great fish came and swallowed up Jonah. God appointed, says here, but God arranged this fish to come and swallow Jonah. And so we saw last time in Jonah chapter 1, the Lord did what was needed to stop Jonah from heading the wrong way. And that was the title of our message last week. If you missed it, you can catch it on our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or go to our YouTube channel and you'll find the whole service there. So this is where we're at. As we come into Jonah chapter 2, we see Jonah there, undigested now, alive in the belly of this great fish. So at this point, what we're going to see in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah hits bottom here. He, he, he's totally at bottom. He's broken. He sees his wrong. And so he cries out to the Lord. And then with this, with all that's happened in the belly of this great fish, Jonah is seeing things clearly. Now, that's the title of our message this morning, Seeing Things Clearly. Again, we're going to be studying Jonah chapter 2 from verse 1 through 10, which is the whole chapter. And here's Jonah now. He was heading the wrong way last time, but now in Jonah chapter 2, he's seeing things clearly. You know, I was, it came to my mind, I was thinking about during our, uh, uh, one of the meals at Camp Kalahikiloa, that outreach we had to the Lahaina Keiki back in October, 
Um, during one of the meals, the, the hotel, and it, it wasn't something we said, but they had put out these little tiny bottles of Tabasco. I don't know if you've seen those. They'll like give them away at certain meals or maybe buffets and stuff. They're about this big. They're like miniature Tabasco bottles, red cap, red, red and white label, everything. Well, for some reason, I was thinking, why are you doing that? These are children, right? But they had them out there. And well, of course, this little tiny red bottle thing was very tempting for many of the kids, and they were grabbing that. Well, one boy grabbed that little tiny bottle of Tabasco, not knowing what it was, and he unscrewed the cap, and he, he, and, he, and, he, and he drank it, basically. He tipped it up and drank it, even with one of the leaders saying, hey, um, you know, that, that's not something you want to drink. Well, he drank it. He drank the thing. It was too enticing, this little tiny bottle of Tabasco, not knowing what it was. Well, immediately after he drank the whole bottle now, it was a little tiny bottle, he drank the whole thing, immediately he grabbed his glass of water, he just started drinking it, even making the water in the glass come up to his nose. I guess it had, you know, backed up into his nose, and his nose was burning, his mouth was burning. You can imagine what he was going through. Well, after recovering, <laughs> maybe a few minutes or more later, the boy spoke. And you know what he said? He said, that was a mistake. <laughs> I love that. One of the leaders was telling me that. And so you can see now that he's seeing things clearly, right? He understands what that little tiny enticing little bottle is really about. You know, it makes me think about in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. I mean, think about that, right? It's on the screen for you. When we're all proud and disobedient, right? Well, what happens? God brings us into disgrace. But that humbles us, and then we have wisdom, right? We begin to see things clearly. And this is Jonah. Jonah's seeing things clearly now. Now, in Jonah chapter 2, I have a subtitle for this, and this is the praying prophet. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see Jonah praying. Remember last week is the prodigal prophet. Well, our subtitle for today is the praying prophet, and he's seeing things clearly now. So this is Jonah chapter 2, our title once again, Seeing Things Clearly. We're going to see three things. First of all, Jonah recognizes the mess in distress. He recognizes the mess in his distress. Number two, he recognized the moving of God, that this was all the Lord that did this. And number three, Jonah recognized the mercy and grace of the Lord. So that's the three things we're going to see in this chapter, Jonah chapter 2, seeing things clearly. Finally, Jonah is seeing things clearly. Well, let's begin here. Number one, Jonah recognized the mess in his distress. He recognized the mess in distress. Here we're going to be covering uh, Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Two verses this morning. Let's take a look at these verses. It reads, Jonah 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, the Lord is God, from the belly of the fish, in verse 2, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. And we'll stop right there for this section. Now, we begin here with, Jonah 2, verse 1, saying, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, we begin with this word, then. Well, it tells us something happened before that. And this is what I want you to understand now. What happened before this? Well, verse 17 of Jonah chapter 1, it says, And the Lord appointed a range this great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we see what happened before that. God, the Lord, arranged this big fish. Remember I mentioned that in the Hebrew, it doesn't necessarily... Uh, say it was a, 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 a mammal or it was a non-mammal. Basically, we can say, uh, uh, translated as the Lord appointed a sea creature. 
So it could have been some big fish like a, a whale shark, or, or it could have been maybe a whale, like a sperm male, as I, whale, as I mentioned last time. So he was swallowed now, and then he was in the belly, right, for three days and three nights. So let's put this together. It was then, after he was swallowed, it was then, after three days and three nights, that what? Jonah finally prayed to the Lord his God. Now, think about that. He did not pray when there was a life-threatening storm that came upon the, sh the ship. Where was he, if you remember last time? He was asleep, right, during this storm. He didn't pray when, when his sin was exposed. Remember, they cast lots and it pointed to Jonah. He was the reason for the storm. Did he pray then? Did he repent? No, no. Did he pray when he... They threw him overboard and he splashed into the ocean and he started to sink. No, we don't read any of that. Even when he was first swallowed, right, in verse 17, did he pray then? No. It says, then Jonah prayed. Then what? After he was swallowed, after three days and three nights, then he prayed. I mean, I don't know about you, I, I, even if I was that, that you know, obstinate, I would, I would pray when I hit the ocean, yeah, or when, as soon as I was swallowed. But no, three days, three nights. Why is that? Well, it took all that, and it took that long to finally break Jonah's stubborn self. That's what was going on. Now, understand, some say that Jonah actually died and he was resurrected. But uh, some commentators say that, alluding to how Jesus uses this as an illustration for his death and resurrection. But, but I don't believe that. I think it was an analogy when Jesus uh, referenced Jonah here. What, what I feel like is what we're going to be reading is Jonah is alive in there, right? And we know what pirates say, right? What do pirates say? Dead men tell no tales, right? So he's alive there. He's, he's alive in the belly of the, the fish. It doesn't say that he died here. He was conscious the whole time. And isn't this the miracle? Not so much of this big fish, because I gave you some uh, uh, stories of actual people found alive, or they lived through, survived being swallowed by a great sea creature. But the miracle is just that, that God kept Jonah alive and why was that? To break him of his stubborn self. He went through all this. He, it, it wasn't his end. Though sometimes when we go through something, right, we think, this is it. This is the end. I can't survive. I won't make it. But no, God kept Jonah alive in the belly of this great fish to break him of his stubborn self. You see, this time that Jonah was in the belly, the three days, three nights, the time in the belly of the fish, you got to know, this is not what Jonah wanted, but it was what Jonah needed, right? To break him, to bring him to the bottom, to break him of his self, to break him of his stubbornness, to get him to that place where he's broken before the Lord. Now, for Jonah, it took three days, three nights. How about us? How long is it going to take? If you were Jonah, how long would it, it take in you? I don't know. I would have been quicker. I'd be like, oh, okay, God, you know, kind of thing. But you can see the extent of his stubbornness and his selfishness and how he just wanted he, what he wanted. He was in there three days and three nights. That was when he hit bottom. That was when finally he was broken before the Lord. All right. So here is Jonah. He's praying now. He's finally calling out to, to the Lord his God in the belly of the fish after three days, three nights. And verse 2, he's calling out to the Lord out of what it says here, my distress. He's in extreme distress here, isn't he? He's being thrown overboard. He's sinking in the water. And now he's, his eyes are being opened to this mess that he's in. In the distress, his eyes are open to the mess, the mess in distress. So he called out to the Lord, out of my distress, and then looked down, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. Now, the word Sheol here is the Hebrew word basically for hell. So he said, out of hell, 
Now, here's what some people think. They say, well, G- well Jonah died and was in hell. No, I believe Jonah what, didn't die. Dead men tell no tales. He's still speaking here. You know what? He, he, he is, this is a poetic way of saying that this was like hell for him. I mean, have you been through situations where you're like, oh, man, this, this is the worst ever. This is like hell. We're not saying we're in hell. It's just poetic. It's an analogy. It's a picture of what we're going through. And so here is Jonah saying, oh, out of the belly of what? The fish that he's in, out of the belly of hell, poetically, he's saying, this is what it was like of my distress. It was the worst of the worst that anyone or that he has been through. But notice this in verse 2. It says, I called out to the Lord, and then what does it say? Out of my distress, it says, and what? He answered me. Don't you love that? And he answered me. And then out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. He cried out again. And what? You heard my voice. Don't you love that? Here's Jonah. He hit the bottom of bottom. This is the worst thing in his life or anybody could go through. It's, it's hell for him. It's shield for him. Yet, even there, when Jonah called out, cried out to the Lord, the Lord answered him. The Lord heard his cry for help. From the bottom of the bottoms, from being brought all the way to this situation, God heard his cry. God could hear his voice. So understand this. Here's the idea. No matter how bad Jonah went against God, the Lord heard his cry and answered his prayer. The Lord saw him humble himself. He was finally broken. He finally, he wasn't praying before, but now he is. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard his cry and answered his prayer. I think about Psalm 120, verse 1. It says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. What you're going to see in his prayer is, 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 is um, scripture leaking out of Jonah's heart. Like Psalm 20, 120, verse 1 that I just quoted to you. That you're going to see him like start quoting scripture, like saying things, like it's leaking out. Like the Psalms are coming out of him now. Like the Holy Spirit is speaking to him through the scriptures that he knows, that he studied. And now it's, it's a voice for what's going on inside. And so he knows that in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. I like what Psalm 34, 18, and perhaps this was in his mind too. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Do you know God is just a prayer away? He is just a prayer away. Even if you're in the belly of the fish, no matter how far you may feel you are from your Lord, you know what? He is just a prayer away. But let me say this. Watch out, you guys. Because as God is there for you and hearing you, you know what? The devil is there too. Watch out for the devil because these are the times he comes in. These are the times he likes to approach when you're at bottom, when you hit bottom and you're crying out to God. You know what? The devil comes in and says, oh, forget about praying. God, God, God's not going to hear you. You've blown it so bad that he's walking away from you. You're past that point of no return. Isn't that what the devil wants you to believe? Isn't that how the devil wants to destroy you, your faith, your walk, your life? But it's not true, you guys. God hears your prayer. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The psalmist said, in my distress, I cried to the Lord. And what? He answered me. So understand that. The devil's going to say, well, you can't approach God. No, you can't. Don't, don't even go back to church. Everyone knows what you did. Right? Isn't that what happens and what flows through your head? They're going to look down on you. With all these words, the devil only wants to condemn you. But I want you to see something here. Jonah, this prophet who's supposed to be a man of God, 
He sinned before the Lord. He did not obey the Lord. He went the opposite way. He went against the Lord. He rebelled against Him. Yet, at this moment, Jonah tells us, I cried out to the Lord, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Know in this passage today that God hears your cry. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're online. Maybe you've blown it. Maybe you're walking under that condemnation. But just remember, Jesus, the Son of Man, came, Luke 19, to seek and save those who are lost. That's God's heart here. And so don't stay away from church. Don't stay away from seeking God because you think, well, God doesn't want me around. People don't want me around. No, you need to come to church. You need to seek God. You need to find the Lord. People aren't sitting there condemning you, right? We're we're all sinners. We understand. But come, not so much for what people think, but come because you want to seek the Lord, that you want to cry to Him, that you want to meet with Him. Remember, the church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. So here we see Jonah. Jonah recognized the mess in distress, in his distress, and then he finally called out to the Lord. That's what we're seeing here. You know, the other day, I got the courage to ask someone I see all the time in the water, and he surfs with one prosthetic leg. And um, I I, I I was talking story with him. I, I talk with him all the time, and then, I thought, oh, I'm going to ask him. I've been always wondering. And so I go, can I ask you, what happened to your leg? Well, he was sharing with me almost 10 years ago. He was in a motor, motorcycle accident in Haiku, and he lost his leg. But then he surprised me. He said this. He said, you know what? That was the best thing that happened to me. And that, that really surprised me. And, and, and even my conversations leaks out. God, I don't know if he's a believer, but still, he was sharing how he was heading in the wrong direction in his life. But then this happened, and he recognized what the way he was heading, and he finally saw that. You know what? I, I, this will change. This has changed my life. So Jonah's recognizing this. The mess that he's in. It finally came to light in his distress in being in the belly of the whale. No, we have to recognize that too. Sometimes God allows the extreme to come to get the extreme done. He sends a whale in our life. And it's it's the only way for God to get to our hard heart. It's the only way for us to recognize how bad a place we are in. God may have to send that quote-unquote whale situation because you know what? The storm maybe is not enough. You haven't prayed yet. You still not recognize. But when that whale comes, when that whale of situation comes, know this. Your sin is never too great. Your situation is never too difficult for God to hear your cry and come and help you. Be reassured of that today. Actually, I should say this. The Lord is waiting for you. The Lord is waiting for you to respond, to come to that place of brokenness and cry out to Him. He's waiting for you to be seeing things clearly. All right, well, we see number one, you recognize the mess and distress. And now we come to number two. Jonah recognized the moving of God. Jonah recognized the moving of God. Here we're going to be covering verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. 3 to 6. But first of all, look at verse 3. Jonah chapter 2, verse 3 says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Now, Jonah begins in this prayer to God, describe his experience here in the water. And I feel like verse 3, he's, he's talking about when he first hit the water, when he started to sink into the water, perhaps even perhaps right before this great fish opened its mouth and swallowed him whole. So he's describing this. Uh, 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 you cast me into the deep, uh, uh, you know, the deep 
the heart of the sea, like he's sinking. The flood of water surrounded me. It was just, just starting to come all around him. And all your waves and billows or current or surges passed over me. So here's Jonah describing him, hitting the water, starting to sink. Remember, the storm is there. There's great waves. There's, there's a lot going on here. But here's the thing. Notice in verse 3. Take note, underline, circle this. Verse 3, the first three words, it says, For you cast me. It was the Lord he's speaking about. The Lord God cast him into the water. Now, this is important to see because Jonah recognizes that the storm, that everything that happened, him being cast now because his sin was exposed into the waters and even the whale in the next part is the moving of God in his life. Understand that. With these words, Jonah acknowledges this is the Lord. The Lord has been disciplining me. The Lord is at work here. The Lord is doing this because you know what? I need it. You know, if you think about it, the storm or even the whale, the Lord uh, sent these things. The whale, the storm was actually sent to what? Save Jonah. Not to destroy him. Actually to save him, to bring him to this place of clarity. And you know what I like about this in verse 3 where it says, For you cast me, for it was the Lord who did this. You know what? You can say that Jonah tried to run from God. But God didn't run from Jonah. God went after him. All right, in verse 4 it says, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closing over me to take my life. The deep surrounding me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed up. Upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So here in verse 4, I I, I feel like as we get into verse 4, he's talking about how uh, the whale, verse 4 through 6, is is swallowing him. He's inside the belly of the whale. He begins in verse 4 saying, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. In other words, he recognizes his own sin. Sin kept him. From the Lord, his rebelliousness, going the other way, running away from God. Yet, Jonah woke up to calling out to the Lord, the Lord, look, he said, yet again I shall look upon your holy temple. In other words, he's looking to God for help here. There's no other hope for him, you guys. No other hope but the Lord that can save him in this situation. So he says in verse 5, the waters closed over me to take my life, to kill me. No, but it didn't. The deep surrounded him. The weeds, can you imagine seaweed wrapped around his head? So I feel like he's in the middle of of the belly, of, of the stomach of this great fish at this moment. Can you imagine in the belly seaweed all wrapped around him? He's in the he's in the water the, the, the salt water, you know, sloshing around in the gastric juices. Can can you imagine how gross that, that is? I, I mean uh, um, he seaweed wrapped around him in gastric juices eating away at his skin and it's hot in there, right? It's not like a cool seventy degrees, probably ninety degrees or so. It's hot. No wonder he said this was like I'm in the belly of Sheol. And so here in verse 6, he says, At the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me. So at the roots of the mountains, in other words, the, the whale went deep. Yeah, the, the, the bottom, <clears throat> like we only see on top of the water, maybe just the tip of the mountain. But if you keep going down underwater, it's like the bottom of that island or the mountain or the shore. And so he understands. He went down deep now. And then when he says, whose bars close upon me forever, in other words, his life began to close down like he was going to die. I think when he talks about the mountains, at the roots of the mountains, he was talking about how uh, poetically he was hitting bottom. He could go to the lowest parts of the lowest parts is what he can 
uh, that anyone could go under the sea. And so he was hitting bottom. But verse 6, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah's like, no, I didn't die. I didn't end up in this pit of death. You know what? I'm still alive. There's the miracle. I'm still alive in the belly. God saved him. Again, in his heart is scripture. Like Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So here we see Jonah recognized the moving of God here and turned to the sovereign Lord for his salvation. For you cast me. Jonah recognizes the sovereign move of God, the moving of God. And so he turns to this sovereign Lord for his salvation. He knows this was the Lord. He knows God is moving. So he can only go to the Lord. And he knows that God has a purpose in this. So he can only go to the Lord. It's like I was thinking, I was reading how this cowboy goes to get life insurance. So the life insurance uh, agent asks him if he had any accidents in the past year. Well, the Paniolo said, no, but I was kicked by my horse, chased by a raging bull, and bitten by a snake that jumped out at me. Well, the agent said, well, weren't they accidents? To which the cowboy said, no, they did it on purpose. (laughs) I like that one. Well, to him, these weren't accidents, but these creatures were doing it on purpose, and that's what Jonah sees. He recognizes the moving of God, that the whale was appointed, arranged to come and swallow him up. And it was there that he finally started seeing things clearly. It was there that he turned to the sovereign Lord for his salvation. And so Jonah clearly sees God purposely moved to wake him up. That these are all attention getters to show him he needs the Lord. He needs to repent. And God is his only hope. So he turned to God. You know, what comes to mind is something that Warren Wiersbe said in, in, a, in his commentary in another passage. And, and I always think about this when we think about storms. And in this case, a, a whale and the storm. But I always think about this is that <clears throat> Wiersbe put out this. There's two types of storms. Storms of perfection and storms of correction. Now, storms of perfection, we reference like in Matthew 14, when Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side. So the disciples obeyed. In obedience, they got in the boat, went to the, uh, traveling to the other side. But in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, a storm came. A storm that threatened their lives. Well, what happened? You remember Jesus came out walking on water. Then Peter said, oh, can, can I do that? Oh, sure, come out. He started walking, but he looked at the wind and waves, started sinking. Jesus grabbed them. And then when he got into the boat, when he took Peter and Jesus got into the boat, the, the sea was still. And then the disciples, all of them, were like in awe. They're like, oh, they're in fear. They're like, whoa, who, who can do this? But God. Right? So there, that's a storms of perfection. Jesus told them to go, knowing there's a storm going, but knowing that in that storm, God would come and rescue, and it would perfect their faith. That God is powerful. That, that God will be there for them, and that storm was designed to increase their faith. So that's a storm of perfection. Well, what's a storm of Correction. Well, this is what we're reading here in, in the book of Jonah. It's right here. Jonah wasn't obedient. He was disobedient, right? He ran away from his mission and call. He went directly opposite of Nineveh, got in a boat. So what? God brought this storm in his life to discipline him. God brought this whale, this big fish to swallow Jonah. But he's still alive. So that God had a purpose in all of this to teach him you know what? What you did was wrong, but I'm still here. You need to follow me. What kind of storm are you in? What are you facing? Is it a storm of perfection or is it a storm of correction? Find wisdom in this, you guys. 
Hitting bottom will give us clarity. And like Jonah, start seeing things clearly. All right. We've seen number one, we, Jonah recognized the mess and distress. He recognized the moving of God. And finally, number three, the rest of our verses here in this chapter, number three is Jonah recognized the mercy and grace. Jonah recognized the mercy and grace. Take a look at uh, verse seven and eight, first of all. It says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. We'll stop right there. So Jonah, describing what he's going through here, he said that when my life was fainting away, when I felt like, that's it, I'm going to die, I remembered. I started seeing things clearly. I finally prayed to the Lord. My prayer came to you, Lord, into your holy temple. In other words, he called out to the Lord toward the holy temple where, where God's presence is at the time. That's what the Jews did was pray to the temple. And you, my prayer came to you. God heard him. God answered him. That prayer, God uh, touched him and he was saved. That's what he's basically saying here. But then he gives this little comment here. In verse 8, he says, those who pay or say worship uh, pay regard to vain idols. Like those who like worship or give, yeah, heathens or give give to idols in their life, their life. You know what? They forsake. They miss out the hope of God's steadfast love. Now, what is he saying? Well, he, he's saying that those who go after idols, and remember, an idol is anything that replaces God in your heart. Those who go after idols... You know what? They will never experience God's steadfast love. That word in the Hebrew, steadfast love, is hased. And it's sometimes translated in the Old Testament as mercy. Mercy. So God's unending, His persevering, steadfast love, really, is mercy toward us. Right? I mean, mercy is not getting what we deserve. Right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. But, but we deserve judgment. Jonah certainly deserved judgment for his sin going against the Lord. But God gave him mercy, his steadfast love. So Jonah's like, I see it now. You know what? If, if I kept going after my idol, I would have missed this mercy. And what was his idol? Himself. Right? His stubborn self, he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Not what God wanted to do. I know better. Nineveh needs to be judged. I'm not going to go there because I know you're going to give them mercy. I don't want to do that. I don't like that. Remember we mentioned that last week. Perhaps maybe someone in his family got killed by the Syrians. He wanted judgment upon them. He wanted what he wanted. He wanted his will, not God's will. So he ran. And so Jonah's realizing, you know what? My idol this whole time is me. Myself, I've been uh, my own idol, stubborn, my stubborn will. I've been doing what I want. That's been my idol. That's been replacing God in my heart. That's my idol. He became his own idol. So Jonah realizes the biggest problem in his life, the biggest obstacle in his life was him. But he recognizes God is here to save him from himself. Isn't that us? I know it is me. (laughs) This speaks to me, you know. J. Allen Blair said, The Lord sent grief into Jonah's life that he might be broken of self. Now we realize how foolish and ridiculous the self-life is. Isn't that true? It's foolish. It's ridiculous that we would follow what we want. Always putting ourselves before God. Not surrendering. Not submitting to the Lord himself no matter what. But isn't this great? That when we put God first. That there, even in our failure, there is God's steadfast love. That's our hope. Because we're going to fall into selfishness all the time. But our hope is mercy is there. And hope meaning not hope it happens, but hope for sure as children of God. God's mercy is here upon us. 
You know, I think about it this way. You know, God, we know God can move mountains, right? You know what the biggest mountain is me. Myself is the biggest mountain. My self-will, my self-desire, my self-focus. But I'm so glad God in his mercy is bigger than that mountain. Well, verse 9, he goes on, but with the voice of thanksgiving, will will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So now he realizes that, God, it was me. I was worshiping this idol myself. But Lord, in your mercy, you've come. You rescued me. You are my salvation. The word salvation here in verse 9, you, you could translate it that he's my rescuer. He's my deliverer of, of myself. He's the one who saved me. Myself got me in this predicament. Myself got me here because of God's purposes in this whale and in the ocean thrown overboard. But here in the middle of the belly of the whale, get this, Jonah turns to thanksgiving. He's seeing things clearly. He's alive. And so he's worshiping God. Can you believe that? In the belly of this whale, in the gastric juices and everything going on, somehow he's alive breathing. But he's, with a voice of thanksgiving, he sacrificed. He's giving God this sacrifice of praise and worship and thanksgiving. And then notice he says in verse 9, what I have vowed I will pay. Now, he could be talking about his sacrifices he's vowing to give to God, and maybe one day he gets to the temple, he probably will for sure going to give sacrifices. He, he, he's, he's probably going to, uh, he's probably talking about he's paying the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. But notice this. I think when he says, what I have vowed, I will pay, that he's saying, you know what, God, I vow to do your mission now. I vow to what you've called me to do. I will pay. I will fulfill what you have uh, asked me to do. So God's mercy and grace is what rescued Jonah from himself. And Jonah is now ready to do everything what God wanted him to do. That's God's mercy, isn't it? Psalm 103 forces, Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And this is where Jonah is at. All right, verse 10. Our last verse here. Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Here it is. The fish ended up, went near shore, uh, to shore, and then the Lord spoke to the fish. Didn't have to speak twice or anything, but the fish obeyed. And it vomited. You know, in the Hebrew, vomited, guess what it means? Vomited <laughs> Jonah bleh, right there on the dry land. And here we see God delivering Jonah completely now. He's back. He's on dry land. He's not in the, the water. He's not in the fish. No, he is alive. And so Jonah was completely delivered. And let me tell you, not just from himself, almost I should say, but, but pretty much from himself, and delivered from the fish too. Can you imagine what he looked like? What a mess. Gastric juices, you know, his skin maybe bleached white and everything. He looked like a mess. He probably smelled like a mess. But you know what? There's no longer a mess inside. No longer. You know what? I just popped in my mind was maybe he, he sang a song. I can see clearly now the well is gone. No, right? <laughs> so who we see in Jonah chapter 2 is different from Jonah chapter 1. You can say this is Jonah 2.0. God still has some stuff he needs to do, and we'll see that in Jonah chapter 4. But we see a whole new person here because he went through all this distress. Turn over to um, Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. And I just want, to, want you to see with your own eyes in your Bibles, uh, verse 67 and verse 71. So Psalm 119, turn over there to the left. And look at verse 67. I think 
This was in Jonah's mind and what David wrote here. But 119 verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Isn't that good? That's what happens when we go through these trials. And in verse 71, It is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes, your principles, your word. Isn't that what we learn when we go through these situations? And let me tell you, it's the mercy and grace of God. He didn't have to, right, uh, go after Jonah. He, there's other prophets, you know, around. Uh, remember I mentioned it's believed he came from a school of prophets. It's believed uh, his contemporaries were like Obadiah and maybe even uh, Nahum and, and all, or Micah and all. But you know what? Um, uh, not Nahum, but Micah, but he could have grabbed someone else. But in God's mercy and grace, God was working in Jonah's life because he loves him. Because Jonah belongs to him. And so Jonah recognized the mercy and grace here. Even in his failure, the Lord was still working. Don't you love that? God doesn't abandon us. He doesn't give up on us. Jonah recognized the mercy and grace here. Even in his failure, the Lord was still working. You know, I, I have my own failures and, oh, Lord, I wish I had done this or that or, you know, things like that. And, and, and when we were at the pastor's conference um, in California on, on our trip, um, it, it, was, it was wonderful. I was really refreshed, encouraged, and and I have to say, every speaker was going through something. Something was happening, whether personally, in their family, in, the, in their church, or whatever it was. And I'll tell you, it encouraged me that I'm not the only one. I, I, yeah? Don't you ever feel like, oh, I'm the only guy, it's just me. But no, it encouraged me, even, even you know, pastors go through this, and all right, I'm Okay. Uh, one of the speakers, Lloyd Pulley, is the pastor of Calvary Old Bridge in New Jersey. He, he mentioned this. It really hit my heart is how a $100 bill found in the gutter is still worth $100, right? You would still grab that $100 bill, clean it up, right? It's still worth something. And it made me think of Jonah here like, yeah, you know what? Jonah was worth something to go and go after him, even though he was <clears throat> dirty in his sin and going against God. God still went after him. And, and, and so you and I, were worth to God to clean us up, to go after us, to work in our lives, to grow us. That whether it's storms of perfection or correction, if he's disciplining us, you know what? You're worth it to the Lord. And he does it through his mercy and grace and love for you. Joe Folk of Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, he talked about Enoch. And, and, and in the middle of that, uh, message, I, I, in my notes I wrote this down, uh, I got convicted when um, the pastor said, we spend more time looking down than looking up. And I think Jonah would have been forever lost if he just looked down, right? But he looked to the holy temple, he looked to God, he reached out to the Lord. And one more, Damian Kyle, Calvary Chapel Modesto in California, he talked about Elijah, and when he, Elijah, when he was in a cave, he's all depressed, discouraged. And, and, and one thing he said, out of the, whole, the whole study was great, but one thing that ministered to my heart was when he said, take a deep breath and know God has it. That's what the Lord was telling Elijah. Like, look, I still have other prophets. I still have other people. Because he thought he was the only one. And so um, Damon Kyle said, take a deep breath and know God has it. God has you. God has a situation. And then he said this, God is still working. So understand what we see with Jonah. Jonah recognized the mercy and grace here. That even in this failure, God was still working. The Lord is still working. And so can you see that's mercy and grace. That's God's mercy and grace at work in your life. So stop resisting. Stop being stubborn. Stop and understand. God is reaching out to you in all of this. Will you believe what the word of God says here? Will you believe 
what is being shown us here today. Even if you're in that valley of a well, you know what? God is here in his mercy and grace, and you're going to make it. Just respond. Surrender to him. His, his, he wants to help you. He wants to get you out of that situation and vomit you on the land. I know, that's a weird picture, but yeah. But you understand, this is what we see here. Came across this joke. It says, why should we be encouraged by the story of Jonah and the whale? Because Jonah was down in the mouth, but he came out all right. <laughs> you can either let what you're being swallowed up with keep you at the bottom or put your faith in God and have him lift you up. Don't write this off as some children's story. No, this is the word of God and believe it today. I'll close with this. After learning about Jonah at um, Keiki Church one Sunday, this little girl um, when she went to school the next day on Monday, she shared what, what at school what she had learned. Her teacher commented that it's impossible for a whale uh, to swallow a human because though it's large mammal, the throat is very small. But the little girl kept insisting and saying, but how can that be? The Bible says Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The unbelieving teacher was irritated because the, the little girl wouldn't let up and forcefully said again, a whale could not swallow a human. It is entirely impossible. Unmoved, the little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. To this, the teacher snarled, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl replied, then you ask him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ooh. Well, we know it's believing in Jesus that brings you into heaven, not Jonah. But will you believe what God is doing with Jonah? Will you believe that? Because what you see here is God also working in your life. God's mercy, his grace at work. And then if you see his purpose in what you're going through, then like Jonah, you are seeing things clearly. Let's pray. God, thank you for <clears throat> this word, Lord, today. And I'm super encouraged. And, and thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that you hear us, even when we hit bottom, Lord. That no matter what the devil may say, no matter how he may condemn us, no matter what our, where our minds may go with that, the truth is you love us and you give us mercy even in our, our sinfulness. That you give us grace and you go after us and you're going after us right now. And Lord, as we move into this time of communion, God, we want to set our hearts right before you, Lord. God, you're, you are a God of second chances. You are a God that, that is here, Lord, that wants to give us a new beginning. And I pray that this communion time would be exactly that, a new beginning with you. So, Lord, as we remember what you've done on the cross, Lord, and how you rose again, too, God, that we have hope in you and there's life in you today. So, Lord, prepare us right now, or as you have prepared us, God, we come before you and remember what you've done on the cross. In Jesus' name.